Uh, welcome back to the Feathers Papers. I'm Justin. And I'm Kerry. All right, Kerry, we are back here today with Feathers Paper number 13. Indeed we are. Um, and how are you doing? Me? Individually, yes. how am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> doing about as well as can be expected. I mean, we're recording afternoon. in your basement. I've got a poop emoji on top of my microphone. <laughs> Uh, and we have a, a, a little bit of a sparse paper, but in the context, within that context, I'm doing okay. okay. And I'm doing even better because we have fulfilled today our long promised uh, guest promise on. to have a guest on today. We do. And uh, I'm staring at him. Can you tell me about him? Pressure, such pressure. <laughs> we have with us today uh, our guest, Matt, who's a friend of Justin and I. And, uh, you know, when we. Justin and I first did our first episode. We told you a little bit about ourselves and our connection to our deep and abiding connection to federalism and the Federalist Papers. So, just to establish some context here, Matt, uh, you know, in the spirit of what we've been discussing yeah. through this podcast, <laughs> respond if you will to if we if one of us or both of us were hypothetically contacted by a, a, a vicious jack tar of a anti federalist. Who we were to say this Matt guy you're having on? He is he is no friend to the Constitution. He he does not regard it uh, with any of its values. He doesn't even acknowledge its jurisdiction over him as a person. He is the uh, the most reprehensible sort of person. How would you remonstrate about against that to establish? your deep love and connection to the Constitution and indeed the Federal Papers. In the true spirit of Alexander Hamilton, it would be pistols at dawn. Uh, so I, I, In the spirit of Alexander Hamilton, would you merely fire into the air or would you aim for the heart? I don't think anyone who would make those accusations of me would be a man of honor, so I would probably aim for the heart. Service to them as they deserve. Yes, exactly. Deadly aim and end their arguments once and for all. So now, as he said, my name's Matt and I'm, a, I'm an attorney. I uh, have a, a number of, I guess, a uh, number of things where I've experienced the Constitution and its living form in the areas of law that I practiced, and, uh, and also have a deep respect for the Constitution as well as United States history, revolutionary uh, American history. And, and so that's what brings me here today and, uh, and just respect for the, what you guys are doing here. So. In the spirit of countering these accusations against you, I'm sure you're willing to take a, a, a loyalty oath of some sort to the Constitution? Absolutely. Of course. What about a loyalty oath to this podcast? To the podcast, I would have to consult my counsel. I think what if we pres- will <clears throat> make the loyalty oath, we'll present it to you at a later date. Understood. Okay. All right. I'm willing to consider that. <laughs> and this one more thing about the spirit of this podcast, Justin and I here are sort of in a, uh, we've been uh, at loggerheads with one another, and, yeah. and in that he has tended to approach this from more of the perspective as a, of a practicing legal practitioner, mm-hmm. where I'm much more the uh, lay, lay historian. Do you uh, see, the, see this conversation as one that you would prefer in one Aspect over so, so what he's asking, I think, is are you more of a fan of Carrie or me on the podcast? <laughs> hey, it doesn't have to get personal. I can't really I mean, react to questions. You know, they're each the sum of the whole, so it's hard to parse them out and separate them. You know, there is no paperless Federalist without the two of you, so I, I can't choose. I can't choose. But, we're going uh, to force you to parse before it's all, all said and done. I think my uh, conversation may make that happen, so we'll so, see. Very see well. Well, let's right. be about it then, gentlemen. Yes, let's be. Uh, so as a tradition in the paperless fellowship, we usually 
uh, kick off with a summary, and I always tease and say that I'm going to do one, but uh, all I, pretenses have now been dropped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> entirely. The the summation department uh, Carrie is here, and <laughs> I'm glad I can bring out that honesty. Gonna, uh, plus one for Carrie. <laughs> He's in the lead. All right, so all right. Uh, in the later of the saddest superhero ever, I will take on the mantle of the summarizer and delve into Federal 13. Some heroes don't wear capes. <laughs> wait, wait, I missed what you said. What did you say? I said some heroes don't wear capes. There you go. So. All right, so Federal's paper number 13 is fairly straightforward. So basically, this is another one of Hamilton's pieces, and it's a pretty simple idea. He's basically saying, look, bottom line, we've already talked about a lot of more complicated reasons why America should be cons- should consolidate its government under one federal constitution. But aside from all those, it's just common sense. If we have one central government, it'll be a lot cheaper and easier to manage than having 13 separate national governments. And one of the things I wanted to point out there in regard to that is... Uh, I was momentarily uh, flummoxed by, he's talking about these civil lists, supporting these civil lists. When he says, he talks about, it's cheaper to have one civil list instead of 13 civil lists. And what he's talking about there basically is the list of people on the the payroll, the the, the bureaucrats, etc. So he says, it's cheaper to have one group rather than 13. And then he starts to go into how, okay... Even if it's not 13, even if we go break it down into, you know, two or three groupings of countries instead of one, still, each one of those is going to require its own civil administration. Why not make it easy just to have one centralized government? I mean, only a fool would acknowledge the efficiency of that. Then he gets into... Sort of almost, he gets distracted almost. It's almost like one of those times when you're thinking about uh, some work or school assignment, you're, and you just got suddenly some random things comes to your head, and you feel like, oh, let me think about this for a while. He starts breaking down how a hypothetical, how hypothetically America would divide up between multiple alliances. Um, yeah, I was a little confused by that myself. And it's it's like, going nowhere. It seemed like there was maybe a little Hamilton bias in how things would split up there. I felt uh, like he was writing this and he was like focusing on like a risk game. Yes. He was playing with some people. He was like, on the subject of risk, how would, I, this, how would I map this out onto a board game? I picture him leaning back and looking at his map of the wall. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a little bit more uh, depth later. But yeah, he talks. He spends about half of the paper talking about how America would divide down between two or three different substates. And then he gets back on focus again, talking about, like, okay, okay, okay. We have to acknowledge again that it'd still be better to have one government rather than two or three, so we should just do that. And then he just finishes up by saying, you know, you know, not just in the way of all the different government officials you're going to have generally to keep government running, but he revisits what we talked about in a prior paper about if you have 13 separate countries, you have 13 different border crossings where you're enforcing tariffs and it's easier to have one border versus outside countries than 13 internals. So we talked about again, in addition to everything else, at that time that most of the revenue came from trade tariffs, easier to just have one government administering external border tariffs than having all these individual functionaries, you know, manning the borders of the 13 separate colonies. And that's really it. It's uh it's not one of it's 
one, a relatively simple paper, and especially simple for Hamilton, who has had ones before that are definitely been much more complicated than this to go into. So we have made two topics. Uh, whether one is cheaper than 13, mm-hmm. or if we want to delve down into second-guessing Hamilton's risk calculus and see if... It's funny, too, because in, ri- in, the, uh, in the risk analysis, uh, Pennsylvania is Ukraine, obviously. <laughs> Pennsylvania is weak. It's weak. It's going to be invaded by everyone. <laughs> obviously, it has to join another alliance. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like... Uh, so... Let's, uh, let, you know me in chronology. I love going through top to bottom. So, uh, I just like the word chronology. I do too. It's, it rolls off your tongue so well. So. That's why I use it. Let's chronologize. <laughs> okay, let's. So, obviously, like you mentioned, he starts off and he talks about um, it's cheaper to do it together, economies of scale, versus breaking it up over over the Confederate. He, and he, he talks here and he says, hey, the people who are arguing against the Constitution they're going to they're going to be looking towards three confederacies of and, great written sized chunks I yes, yes. Yeah. and uh, that's the perfect size of a country <laughs> which everyone needs to be the same size as great Britain. this is sort of hamilton's captain obvious <laughs> yeah, exactly because not only is he saying i mean this paper is not only is he saying oh it's much cheaper to maintain just one government than three but also they're great britain sized chunks and we, yeah, we, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we don't want to be like that. That's an excellent point. No, no, that's fine. China. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're right. There's not. I don't know that there's a whole lot. No hot. He does. He's got again his his no well informed man will suppose that the affairs of such confederacy can properly be regulated by a government less comprehensive in its organs or institutions than which has been proposed by the convention. And this is. I just want to pull out. You know, what's your basic legal writing 101 class? What do they? What do they do? Right? If if something's obvious, what don't you say in a paper when you lead a sentence off and say, "Well, obviously the case law, blah blah blah, fill in the blank." Right? So if no well-informed man would suggest otherwise, unless there is there is a caveat to that, unless you're trying to be deliberately insulting, which some of us might enjoy trying to do. I'm gonna most time in a footnote. You know what? Exactly. I say, see me being deliberately insulting you. Okay, well, here again, I'm going to suppose that Hamilton is of such caliber of mind that if he wanted to be deliberately insulting, he can do it in a way better than the... I would agree with you. ...than the no-well-informed man lead-in to a... a, (laughs) No one who's not an idiot thinks (laughs) what these people were saying. I just, I sort of... It doesn't need said if it's that obvious. I sort of get that Hamilton was phoning it in on this one. Maybe he was tired. Maybe he wrote this about 4 a.m. and the candle was almost out. And uh, you maybe know, he was tired of looking for John Jay. It's awesome. <laughs> he, he was distracted by the Reds game. He was playing the board game. He was like, "That's a possibility." That's I'm just going to write about the situation. And, man, I can't get all the dots. I can't get all the spaces in North America. It doesn't seem like it's that. I hate to say it this way, but it doesn't seem like it's that well thought out. It just seems like a, a series of obvious statements mm. with an example thrown. Could he have fit this in a larger? Paper. I agree. Yes. Yeah. But I, you know, it's it's also an essential topic, though. I think it was on one like he felt like he needed to cover, and I'm wondering if it came about because he was getting feedback like that. You know, that, get, that was, was this in response to a particular anti-federalist paper that where they were com- complaining about something? Well, if you're going to give me an opening to talk about the federal farmer again, I'm going to. Oh, 
I'm jumping. Oh, no, please. Please, oh, please wait. Sorry. You know, we got to get some theme music for the fellow farmer. You know what I about that. I do. Fellow farmer. It's funny, again, we made superheroes. That's just the summarizer. Again, I feel like the federal farmer needs to be. Who can plow fields for the common man? Exactly. The federal farmer needs to be a Marvel superhero character. He'll have a red, white, and blue combo. Uh, if anything, the federal farmer is a DC superhero because he's so. You're right. He's right. DC. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, he doesn't have the box office draw of a federal farmer. Farm. He's a dark side. But unless he's and that's federal farmer, farm, wait, unless he's, he's looking at Watchmen. The federal farmer could be. Okay, good right, point. So, he would be a good Watchmen. You know, a federal farmer could be one of the Watchmen. As long as we can have Blue Man Wiener along with it. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit of a, that's a bit of obscure <laughs> reference if you've seen the Watchmen. Yes. The non PG change for one. So, yes. So, although, did you see now that <laughs> see, the Watchmen again, are going to be very closer to the explicit tag? Yeah, yeah, we're endangering our uh, family friend the radio. You realize that by bringing me on, you immediately endangered your family friend the radio. It's a calculated risk. The one that came back off of. All right. We're going to date ourselves. But, you know, have you guys seen that the Watchmen uh, universe, or the section of the Watchmen uh, uh, universe of the DC universe is going to be married officially with the rest of the DC I universe. Saw it's that. Going to be, I saw and that. And I'm I guess trying to imagine how they Superman is going to get into that. it with uh, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Doctor Manhattan. Doctor Manhattan, yeah, and Superman together. And, uh, he's just, that he's seems going to come back from chilling out on Mars. And I understand why they want to do it because it's cheaper and easier to administer two one universe than two different. I agree. Universes. It is. Agree. Plus, the Watchmen are successful as opposed to well, the. DC multiverse that they're trying to create. They can't. They can only make so many Wonder Woman movies. Exactly. So uh, Gal Gadot can only carry so much. Exactly. So they're, they're desperately the trying entirely to. Our franchise is you. Our cinematic universe. universe works too. Look how cool it is. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Now let's get back on the rails here. Where were we Same federal federal farmer. No, plowing the, off the rails. The we're other doing the federal farmer's work. Right? So <laughs> just plowing this train off the rails through the dirt. How do we and, get uh, back? Oh, you were asking. I was, I was trying to remember. See, that's one of the federal farmer's powers. He gets you off time. You're right. <laughs> Actually, remember, I can't remember what we're talking about. We were asking what if the anti-federalists were saying something about... Something in this paper that caused Hamilton to feel the need to reply. Yeah, because it seems like such a throwaway paper. It seems like such an obvious argument. Well, it seems like he touched on a lot of this previously. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. And I, my response was, I think it was the Clinton... It was the uh, paper that was not long Around that time, you know, papers pop published by Federal Farmer and Clinton talking about, they seem to be, around that time, actively peddling this idea of, you know, you can't have the government where people go too far away from where they live in order to participate in government, with the central yes. government. You Which have, was a factor. That's why you have to have Great Britain-sized units, is because... In that size of a island, you know, in that size of geographical area, because Great Britain existed, this shows it must work. But if, so if you have those sizes of units, then it'll work. Anything bigger, it won't. And this is, I think, him, him, Hamilton, sort of paving the way, creating the on ramp onto the next paper, fourteen, where they, they address that argument. But this is sort of buttressing it by saying, and also this is a lot cheaper. You know, if you have just the one. You know, it's a lot cheaper and easier yeah. than having. I mean, it almost, it almost could have been rolled into fourteen, but I, I mean, maybe, maybe Madison tried a couple of times to do it, and Hamilton's like, "You're doing it all wrong. Let me just write another one, and we'll call it fifteen, and and I'll just do it. It'll be, you know, how I like it. And maybe we'll call it thirteen. Then yours will be fourteen. Maybe this is originally meant to be a dual authorship. 
paper, possibly, with possibly. Hamilton and Madison working together. And I don't see I don't Hamilton know, being the kind of like, you know what? I'm going to write my own damn I, st- I know. I still file this under the, under the auspices of uh, it was late. Hamilton felt the need to say it because somebody in the bar had told him otherwise. <laughs> and so he wanted to just get this out. Or he's like up at 4 a.m. He can't sleep because he's thinking about this. So he fires out this paper. He gets his point across and he's like, I'm done with it now. We can move on. I don't, I don't know. I think that's that's kind of just the feeling. Yeah. Yeah, I can so, see that. Although everything else is so purposeful. This one just seems... Well, the question then, too, that before we leave this block is, is there either a counterpoint or a critique of this seemingly argue, obvious argument? It does seem obvious. Okay, obviously, it's easier to well, fund one government sure, team. But sure, I mean, the is idea, it that much of a... Yeah. What was going know, on at the time was the, was the strong desire of, of the more wealthy states to remain independent and, and maintain their own economies, exactly. their own their own governments, their own militias, their own civil servants that would serve their own purposes. And it ignores that non-financial value. Correct. The value yes. in it how was, they value it. It was their vested interest in keeping their interests close to home and under their control. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that seems to be that this is the, the obvious counterpoint to that. Like, listen, it doesn't make any sense to do this. And it doesn't on that, cost more to do that. That doesn't make any economic sense. Exactly. And building on that, I think uh, it goes, what he says here, uh, oh, we're just going to have this one government that's going to run everything and it'll be a lot cheaper. It sort of goes against something they've been doing elsewhere in other papers to sort of reassure everyone by saying, Look, 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 look. You don't need to worry about this one government that's going to control everything. We're still keeping the 13 state governments. If you like your state governments, you can keep your state governments. But this is just this bigger system that you're going to be a part of. And you're going to be able to travel across state lines and have an overarching government. it's a one-payer system. But if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. (laughs) I see you saw where I was going there. Just a little bit. Yeah. We're a little on the nose. I'm as subtle oh, as Alexander. Exactly. Alexander Hamilton himself. Yep, number 13. That was very... You employed the same subtlety. Well played, sir. Thank you. Well played. That yeah, was intentional, wasn't it? Oh. But I feel like, you, you know, you can't have it both ways. You can't, you know, talk about how you're going to have this federalist system of overlapping federal and state sovereignties and how great that's going to be at handling everything at various levels and what one will miss, the other one will catch, but then simultaneously argue that, oh, you're going to save so much resource through economies of scale by just having one centralized government and eliminating overlapping measures. It's it's like... The father, son of the we Holy should. Ghost, all being all being separate but and distinct entities, but also one one entity. They're all one and the same. They're all one and the same. So, so you will have both. <laughs> it's, okay. I mean, it's only it's, there's only two layers, I suppose. But you know, it's the same kind of thing. They are they're both separate, but also uh, in in different state governments, but also federal power. And, do you think? <laughs> so do you think that that's why this was such a short? Uh, to the point, uh, it, it, you know, I, mean, I hate to say it this way, but more maybe forgettable type of paper, because maybe he didn't want that that to be brought out too much, that he was contradicting himself in sort of a, in a certain way. Forgettable paper. First time on the paper this feather, and and he comes on and throws shade at, at one of the uh, one of the founding fathers. He goes, what you wrote, sir, was forgettable. I think. Yeah, well, I won't do it because. 
You know, after all the shades, it's not that we don't throw shades, it's just mainly directed at John Jay. I was just going to say. Yeah. So if we throw shade at it's John Jay here. Poor John Jay. Okay. Please. 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 Okay, I'm on this, sorry. On this podcast. So, breach of protocol, my breach first time out. Yeah. yeah. I apologize. Yeah. Yeah, yellow card. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yellow card. Yellow card, first time out. And, uh. <laughs> I don't know if it's. Not really. It's hard to say to what. I think so. I think it's like, uh. Sort of like a warning. Okay. It's not like a snack or anything like that. It's just a bad thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I will say that it does seem to be... I'm a fan of Les Miserables. Does that mean I can buy bread with that? <laughs> it's redeemable for bread. That's right. Okay. It is, does seem to be a tendency of Hamilton's much more strongly than Jay or Madison to present his, present the other side's arguments almost like a straw man of, mm-hmm. you know, he'll either not present them at all to make it seem like it's a completely one-sided issue or he will present them in this really stupid way, so you're like you feel like well, only an idiot could think that, or yeah. what was it? Well, no, no, no well reasoned men. Yeah. Well, only non well reasoned men. Which enhances the gentleman. That rolls off the tongue. I mean, <laughs> if you're stupid, you believe this. <laughs> the next time I want to call someone an idiot, I'll just say, "You, sir, are not a well reasoned man." <laughs> to be honest, the one and I, and I just called it a throwaway paper, but I'm going to. I think I'm going to totally steal that for briefs and say, "No well well reasoned man would believe, you know, or no well reasoned court yeah, would believe, you, you know, the other side's argument." Tell you what, exactly. This, yeah. If you actually file something with a court. And you work in there in your argument. No well-reasoned court oh, would believe. I have the blah, opportunity blah, 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 to do it. I have a motion to reconsider. I, I'm working on it. I'm going to actually put it in there. Let me know oh, if you, you do actually because I want to. I want to see it. I want to see you actually. All right, I will it. send you all copies of file stamp. We will take you at face value. Not just demand. Not just, just here's my draft. I no, will send no, you a no. File stamp. File stamp. Yeah. File stamp. Blue ink. And I won't even do it in a footnote. So, no. Well, Franklin oh, County does the. I'm sorry, Franklin County is a jurisdiction, but yeah. it does it with a little uh, header because it's electronic. Uh, uh, so it won't have the blue stamp, but uh, it will still have the the all the landmarks and assurances. Original stamp. It'll be proof, yeah. proof by clear and convincing standards. There you go. There you go. Well, do we so, want to go into oh, the yeah. war gaming analysis. War gaming analysis, yes. And uh, sorry, a bit of a. It's okay. What did happen? We're pantomiming. So. Um, I lost what I was saying. Well, I'm just going to edit all this out. We're gonna pick it up, okay? <laughs> okay. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> I didn't realize how edited this was. There's oh, a lot of editing. There's a lot of late night hours down here. The number one thing we edit out of these podcasts is, is Justin shit. saying we're going to be editing out of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> There's at least five or six of those each podcast. All right, well, I'll throw the Pope back here. Uh, all right. Apologies. Okay. Go ahead. Right. Moving on. Moving on. Carry. Fire away. So this whole next block then is just, and I think we just have to allow for allowances. In that, okay. um, I don't really think that this and now this how America is going to look under this hypothetical group of warring states really matters as much as far as how the Constitution developed, but it was significant enough. And giving me a headache that it caused me to download a map. So <laughs> okay. let's let's break it down. So the Federalist Farmer Two, I believe. <laughs> this time it's personal. Uh, and George Clinton, I believe, talked about these. You know, breaking down the United States into several substates. He is the Parliament Funkadelic. He is. He is. Okay. Yes. And they 
talked about breaking it down into essentially um, three groupings of the southern states, the middle states, and the eastern states. And it's really hard in the paper to figure out what these alliances look like. Mm -hmm. So the southern states, are there's five of them who would all be together. It would be Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, and Maryland. And that would be one block. And then the northern states would be Massachusetts, which includes what became Maine eventually, mm -hmm. New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Connecticut. And then he has this middle block. They have this middle block of New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. And so this whole paragraph by Hamilton is saying that's wrong. I think he's just in the habit of wanting to say whatever the Anti-Federalists say is wrong. So even though this is really not important, he has to say, here's what my images would look like. So he basically says New York would want to join the Northern slash Eastern group, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Connecticut. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. Is Rhode Island in the North? Yes. 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 They're okay. just barely worth mentioning. Just barely worth mentioning in this paper? Okay. Just barely worth mentioning. Right. They're probably the ones who knew, caused New York to join the Northern Coalition out of fear. Uh, <laughs> well, remember, were there two men in a rowboat with a musket, right? Yeah, there. they got the rowboat with a musket. <laughs> And if you remember several pages back, he talked about how the small states know how small they are. Yeah. And so they're going to be ultra-organized and ruthless. They're going to be like that Jack Russell Terrier who doesn't know how small he is. It's going to just come and bite your ankles to death. Yeah, so, you know, New York, he doesn't want to deal with an angry Jack Russell Terrier. He's no. just going to join him. Nobody wants to. And then he says New Jersey, it's too small to be up. Uh, you know, really throw shade at New Jersey. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, Hamilton likes New Jersey like I like uh, Rhode Island. Exactly. So they're going to join the North and East too. And in Pennsylvania, they are. You know, he's talk, he says they don't want to become the Flanders of America. <laughs> Which I, I'm a big fan of the Simpsons and I. So that's what I was saying. I was saying, I was saying you know, immediately, immediately oh, they the guys, let's go do some legislation. Here's the thing. So I, uh, because of that, mm -hmm. I had to go in and do a little research on what exactly Flanders was. Mm -hmm. okay. as part of the Habsburg uh, dynasty of traders over in Northern Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there, he's a, it was the Flanders Bank, is my understanding of it. Correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. Is what he's talking about there. The Flanders what? The, the Flanders Bank. Oh, well, the Bank region of yes, of, uh, which was of Belgium. He's talking about the, yes. He's talking about the Flanders of America, where, where you have these this dynasty that's gone on that's basically dominated trade in Europe, and that was being unseated by the colonial states. I read it in a different way. Um, well, my reading of it was. Um, Flanders, that region of Belgium, Flanders, you know, Flanders Fields area, is no, is it is basically smack dab in the middle of France, the Netherlands, Germany, and Great Britain, and it's very flat, with no barriers like rivers or anything else. And you right around, it was a geographic reference instead of a. They, they were basically where everyone else in Europe went to fight their wars. <laughs> <laughs> because they were in the middle of everything. Sort of like the Belgian ones in World War One. That actually is not something I considered. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. If you wanted to fight a war in your Germany, you go through Belgium and Netherlands. Mm -hmm. That's just what you do. 
Um, and so my reading of that was, if, would be if you got case. everyone to the north of them in one alliance, and everyone to the south of them in another alliance, and Pennsylvania is mainly flat, they're going to join the, one of the alliances or the other. Otherwise, they're just going to be the place where people go to fight. Sure. Okay. All right. um, I, I didn't look at it as a, as a, as a geographic reference. as more of a, because, because they didn't, they didn't side, the, the Flanders, like that, that whole trading group over in Europe. Because they didn't side with anyone, no one had loyalty towards them. When that's another, to, I think that maybe there's and, an element. And of he's saying that they, that Pennsylvania will, because it's right in the center of this and has no clear alignment, because it's its own, it's its own entity, it's its own state, and has so much of its own character that it's it will more likely align with the North just to avoid being the Flanders of America, exactly. to avoid being someone who doesn't have an alliance with anyone else. And is left on their own in the event. And maybe that's the truth. Is, is these that, conspiracies uh, term? There's two elements of it. In, in peace, they don't want everyone to tariff them and be the victim of everyone else's Correct. trade policies. Yeah. Yeah. In war, they don't want to be everyone else's <laughs> battlefield. So he's saying, it, for that reason, yeah, for that that of many reasons is why Pennsylvania would choose to align to the north because they'd be better able to defend themselves against the south. But. One of the things I found interesting about this whole. Um, breakdown of all the different states and the alliances they were going to go to. And let, tell me if I missed it, that didn't even bother to mention Delaware. No. Because <laughs> Delaware was the last state of that four middle states coalition. Uh, and so it was like, in like in Delaware, who even cares where Delaware goes? <laughs> I'm guessing because he excluded them and because of where they're positioned, you know, right along Maryland, that he just assumes mm -hmm. they're going to go in with well, the South. Kind of, I mean, they're Delaware sort of locked in there. <laughs> yeah. By Maryland because, you know, they're kind of surrounded by it. So, therefore, yeah. they risk losing staying Delaware. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they risk becoming East Maryland. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh, East Maryland. So, yeah. so, kind of like New Jersey. <laughs> so, that's really, you know, again, I had, to, I had to download a map, reference carefully, and that's how he breaks it down. That being said, whether there's two or whether there's three American substates, I don't see how it really helps or hurts his argument. I, yeah, I mean, like, uh, there'll be more than one state. Okay, I mean, yeah. does it matter if there's two or three? I guess, hypothetic. In a way, if there's only two, it hurts his argument mm -hmm. because two isn't that much worse than one. I mean, that's what I learned in math school. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. You know, there's one and then the next one is two. So, I mean, if you're saying it's two mm -hmm. instead of three, then that's not, that's less not the McGuffins. Yeah, I mean, he sort of, it, it does sort of throw that away there. So, I don't, I don't just, what do, you, what do you think about that? Well, Hamilton addresses that, Kerry. He goes, nothing, nothing can be more evident than that the 13 states will be able to support a national government better than one half or one third or any number less than the whole. Yes. Basically, he says, if you got any number less than the whole. So, why does he care whether it's two or three? He, he spends... Yeah. A third to a half of his paper on this argument about like it, well, I think he in a way he's not. He's saying, look, it doesn't matter if it's two or three. It's, you're still less than the whole. But then why is he writing about it? I feel like it's one. Of the, it's like a bar argument. It's like there are people are sitting around a bar yeah. and somebody guesses on like what the next thing a fly is going to do. Yeah. They each put down twenty bucks. It's like 
I'm okay with people doing that. I don't know about you, but I do that in the bar all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know where you go with this. Right? <laughs> I, like, I think the next subject say. Matt and I are going to get into are, are, are Matt. Why is he making this reference? Why, I don't why, know why is Terry making this reference? Exactly. Why Hamilton's reference? Yeah. <laughs> I think any well-reasoned man we understand why. <laughs> oh, 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 oh! Ouch! First time in the podcast, I get popped right in the chops. <laughs> we gotta start being early. <laughs> you know. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that might be the conclusion. <laughs> that might be. If I could retitle this, the current title of well, this in paper is "Advantage of the Union Respected for Comedy of Advantage of the Union Respect Economy and Government for the Independent Journal." I might change the attitude. Well, I don't know. <laughs> in, okay, yeah, I don't in, know. Fair, in fairness to... It's just not a lot here. In, you know, well, in fairness to, to Carrie's position, though, as to why there's three, Hamilton does use three geographic references to talk about these regions. He capitalizes Eastern, Northern, and Southern yes. and refers to those three being separate confederacies. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, in looking at this and in talking about it, and now the more I think about it, um, I think he maybe highlights these separations mm. as part of his larger economic argument. So he's so. saying, look at these three regions and all the problems that could develop from them aligning with one another. Um, sure, I understand that there's a need for each one of them to feel like they need to, number one, protect themselves and protect their own interests and maintain their own governments and maintain their own, what does he call it again? I'm sorry, the um, civil list, national civil yeah. list. And if you look at that, he may be using this paragraph to say, yes, I understand that he might be justified for some to say that all these three things could happen. However, no well-reasoned man would say that it's cheaper to do it that way. Because look yeah. at all the problems that can come Look how expensive it might be. Yeah. You know, and ever, being so, ever Hamilton, he's like, let's look at the bottom line here. Let's look at the dollars and figures. You know, we, we, we have to figure out what's going on. What's the state of our nation? Or, you know, are we a nation of states? Or, and, you know, our, can we, we can't even afford this because our credit is going to be terrible after this. Credit already was terrible. That's what <laughs> so he's making off. this argument yeah. saying, hey, you know, we can't survive economically mm. if we're at each other's throats. Even so, in regions that protect each other, we can't survive. The other thing that jumped to mind was I was wondering if Hamilton was letting loose a little more of his uh, northern pride uh, as a bit. Because remember, we talked about the other episode. We talked about the New York bias. In here, you know, the, the, which the, is unusual for him because usually he's writing this to the people of New York. Yeah, true. And in past papers, he's pointed out to New York bad things that could happen if but, they stay on their own. If you remember, if sure. you, if sure. you remember, yeah, Vermont invasion, for example. <laughs> the, uh, everybody's worried about Vermont. Everybody's worried I about Vermont. Really, I, I never realized how much I needed to worry about Vermont until. We did this podcast. No one expects the Vermont. Yeah, that's, Vermont, Vermont. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. So, but you back on Vermont. We were we were talking you know, about Kevin Dad, full of uh, maple syrup, and maple syrup on the leaves, severed top, or exactly a severed head of Mrs. Butterworth <laughs> right in your belly next to you when you wake up. That's how they warn you. <laughs> I got a good comment for that. So, let's go ahead. So, so anyways, the. Uh, <laughs> A couple of papers ago, we were talking about the Navy. Remember, and Hamilton was talking about how, hey, yeah, uh, you know, the um, uh, what did they say the South was going to be good with the tar and the 
Yeah. They have trees. They have the trees, they have right? Trees. And and the trees in the north. That's right. That's right. That. <laughs> and and the mid states like Pennsylvania was gonna have all the tar and the rope and the steel and the iron. I was thinking about that and when I was driving through the tundra to get here. Yeah. <laughs> the trees. All the, <laughs> the trees. All the trees. So, so <laughs> and and the north were the only place you're gonna find anybody intelligent enough to steer a ship. The north has the shipmen. You know, it's not like, biased at all. Not biased at all. <laughs> and so once again here he goes, hey Pennsylvania, they're gonna want to join the north because if they never. <laughs> Yeah, because you know if they're gonna have an exposed side, it's gonna be towards the weaker south. Yeah, yeah you know, exactly. You know? I, see, I see the northern bias. You so are correct. That's yeah. It's not specifically New York, but all, but the Just northern, the general states, the northern and eastern. States. Yeah. So we're seeing the seeds of the Civil War here. Exactly. <laughs> maybe that's what. Maybe that's. Maybe this is really the most important paper of all of them. He's showing it being. He's like, you know, it's really north. Here's where it's going to be. Correct. This is the precursor um, to it. Hamilton is America's secret Nostradamus. Here we are now realizing that we haven't read his quatrains accurately. And here I am saying it's a throwaway paper, and yet. We are, we are nothing but fools. We are not well-reasoned, man. In the, in the value of historical hindsight, the prophecy has been foretold. <laughs> Assuming he's not some kind of holy man who's prophesying the future. Okay, all right. Uh, again, the... I'm still looking for reference to his musical. Like, if, if I see a reference to his own musical in one of these papers, then... <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. That would be... I'll be convinced. I'll be convinced of this prophetic times. When we are 85, we'll see if we found anywhere. But, anyways, again, on the breaking up across, like, these are the two regions, these are the two logical regions in which the American states will divide. Again, it seems to peripherally undermine, maybe not his point so much, it's John Jay's point that, oh, we're all this homogenous people, we all have common values, you know, common ways of doing things. If already, in this prophecy of eventual divisions between the states, he's saying that the natural inclinations of these states are north versus south mm-hmm. as far as interests. Mm-hmm. How yeah. does that interact with the argument that he has of, hey, unlike these other European states, you know, like, you know, bringing back to your Habsburg comments mm-hmm. that are made of, like, Austria, all these different, Germany, all these different, different language-speaking regions with different customs and different histories and different traditions, you know, if he's saying that that's not true here, I mean, it tends to undercut his argument because that's what he seems to premise. One of the reasons America, you know, uniting in the Constitution is going to work here in America when it hasn't worked overseas is because we have much more homogeneity than they do. Well, I, I mean, that's a good point. And especially in looking back at some of the other prior papers, I mean, this is not the logical contradiction that you're looking for. Okay. <laughs> You don't think so? No. <laughs> I see what you're saying. You have a good point, and you're 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 pointing out the contradiction very well. Uh, making a vague Star Wars reference to anybody who who didn't catch that. Uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> he was looking for Hamilton in the musical, and yeah, he found George Lucas. I found George Lucas instead. So I, you know, he it is it is an inconsistency to say that everybody's going to get along and everybody's wonderful and everyone is. The same, and then to say that oh, there's regional interest and they're going to split apart. I mean, I wouldn't go so far. I mean, I see where you're coming from, you know. And I and I wanted to limit the context of what I was saying. I'm not saying this is the smoking gun that destroys the Federalist Papers and makes them utterly worthless. Yeah. Otherwise, what are we doing here? Um, but 
I think, think it's for John Jay. And it's only John Jay making disparaging comments about Rhode Island. What I'm, I think, I think a more valid point. You know, this one little throwaway paragraph so is not going to undermine the federal space central points on homogeneity and everything. But I think it's worth worthy of note as far as the process comment. As far as you can see in places like this, where. It, this is a series of papers and essays by three authors instead of one. Because I think that these this block of stuff here is a good example of something that Hamilton thinks. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe not Madison, but definitely not Jay. I don't think Jay would have ever written that. I think Jay would have said, no, America should all... We're never going to, you know, either we're going to just randomly divide up into 13 different you know, groups, um, or we're going to be one country. I, I think... Places like this, and maybe we can look at these going forward, is, you know, signs of there are times we see they're not, the same, they're not on the same page. And I'm not just saying that, uh, you know, throw shade on them as, as authors, as, you know, what they're doing. But I think it's relevant for us looking at their papers today, because to the extent that they're not speaking with a united voice, one of the reasons we're talking about and examining federal papers is we often think of, this is what the founding fathers thought, and mm-hmm. I think when when it's just one voice out of three, it's it tends to make you a little more thoughtful and say, is this something that represents the thoughts of all the founding fathers, or like many things that one of the founding fathers said, is this something we could take as something into consideration, but not necessarily the final word, which is our decision to make mm-hmm. in the modern time. Is it the living time? Or is it just whatever Alexander Hamilton said? Yeah. And the, and the more I look at it, I think I think it's more supporting his economic argument. I mean, it is. I mean, I it, that. Yeah. I mean, just just his lead into it, saying the supposition that each confederacy in which the states would likely be divided would require McGovern not less comprehensive than one proposed is strengthened by another supposition more probable. You know, so he goes into that saying basically, listen, even if we subdivide into three instead of thirteen governments mm-hmm. it's still more expensive so you would do because here's all the things they're going to have to do and they're going to have to align with each other and he talks about uh geographical and commercial considerations in conjunction with the habits habits and prejudices of the different states so um i do i do think that that i mean they're they're certainly related if not part of the same argument mm-hmm. um so i'm going to take back that i say it's a throwaway paper no. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't, don't we don't take well the waffling. It just seems so obvious. The, the, yeah, the, the, the content of the paper seems so obvious that it's almost like someone argued with him going back to the bar analogy. Somebody argued at him with the bar all night about it and he just couldn't get to sleep at night until he wrote it down and said, This is stupid. Of course it's more expensive, and here's why. <laughs> this is maybe one, I can see, you know, Hamilton, I can see that. This is maybe one he should have written and just put his desk drawer in. Exactly. Maybe, you know, maybe kept it for the journal. Exactly. For, okay. for the uh, director's cut version of Federal's papers, it would have fit in well. Yeah. Um, either that or maybe Madison like wasn't able to make deadline on the next paper. That might have been like, all right, all right, we're going to do like I still think, I think it's one or the other. You read Madison's version and said, no, that's awful. This is what you're saying. You know what, what, Madison? I'll do it. (laughs) 
No, no, don't worry about it. You go home. I'll do it. <laughs> I can see that. All right. It's like a classic school project. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, no, it's great. Really fine. Yeah, it's fine. Just let me take it. Yeah, I'll, I'll just. And I'll just wrap. I'll just edit this a little right. bit. Oh, I'll really? You think it's good? Yeah, no, it's good. It's fine. Awesome. No, it's good. It's good. And then he wads it up and throws it on the ground. <laughs> that might be what Now I have to do the It'll right never version. Know the truth of it. That's right. Okay, I think we're ready to move into the final paragraph. Where again, you know, he alternates throughout the structure of this. of feeling like he's like he's on track with his one point, and then he realizes like, okay, this is really short. I need to put some in, and now he's back on track again because mm-hmm. uh, he's like, this is a point he's made before. You know that well. They've all made before about this idea of um, security. Sec- well, in ec- security, especially in the economic sense. You yeah. Know? Well, you know, just how things- cost costly it would be for every all the states or the subdivisions of states to maintain their own individual security versus how much cheaper it would be as securing the nation as a whole. Exactly. If you had one nation with common with a you know common tr- uh, economic market and no internal mm-hmm. trade barriers, you wouldn't even need all these staff to you know. Uh, nope. Police your internal barriers. Uh, We're not going to run around like having twenty thousand plus soldiers like France. No, we won't no. put up with that here in America. <laughs> no, we, don't do. we like a lot about France, but we're not doing that. We're not doing that. <laughs> you know, it's funny we should mention France because, uh, yeah, assuming we have time, Dad. Yeah, we're okay. Some comments on that is uh, Lay out after it. talking about uh, Mister uh, Necker a few episodes yeah. back. I've uh, started doing some reading about the uh, French Revolution, and okay. he uh, featured very heavily into that. Actually, he was uh, one of the catalysts of the French Revolution, because over the time, he was viewed as being a voice for the people, which is ironic. What is funny about that is, one of the reasons he was viewed as a voice for the people is because uh, he basically just made up all the numbers for the French economy to say they had all this money. And so, when they actually... He, he when he got fired and the real person came in and said no we actually owe a ton of money <laughs> <laughs> and like we have to make all these cuts and everything and you know, the price of bread are yeah. going up they're like well that bring back that other guy <laughs> just said everything was great we like that guy and then they refused to bring him back and that was one of the things that where the people felt like well he's a friend of the people so we're gonna overthrow the French government that was before the Bastille but one of the points that came out of that is when the French Revolution was successful. Which is very relevant, I think, to this because again, the French Revolution happened after, or really close in time, but after these papers. Um, one of the things that came out of the French Revolution is pre-French Revolution under the monarchy, the different regions of France, France, which nowadays we think about France as you know one strong unitary. You know, France is French. Everyone speaks French. They have French pride. You know, etc. Yeah. etc. Et they're all swinging baguettes. Exactly. Exactly. They're all, yeah, they're all, you know, riding scooter, leather jackets, cigarettes at cafes. And, I didn't know we were going to go this direction. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> I hope we don't have any French listeners. Any French listeners. Come on! In any case, but before that, <laughs> there was... Thank you. <laughs> there was a lot... I heard they have a really good uh, rat that is a very good cook. All right. All right. <laughs> you can make a dish called ratatouille that'll blow your mind. <laughs> we're not going to speak French. Let's figure out before the French Revolution, um, the different regions of France were much less homogenous. Like, they literally spoke different languages. What? They really? thought of themselves as different countries in a lot of respects. Britons um, huh. were Britons, Provencals were Provencals, people from Normandy were known. They had, like, strong regionalism. And again, they literally didn't speak the same language. Like, they beheaded all those people, though, right? Well. In the Revolution. 
The, the, the ones, ones that weren't right thinking. Okay, okay good, good. The ones that weren't well reasoned men. It went to the level down to and including um, the different regions of this one united nation of France were taxed at radically different rates. Like, for example, Brittany had a very favorable tax rate because, you know. Wait, like, I'm sorry. There's a portion of France named Brittany? Not Spears. Brittany is in Britain. Yeah, no, no, I understand, but I'm just, I think it's funny that of all the countries that have a sub-state, <laughs> that sounds awful. He used to go by the British Crown, under the Plantagenets. Yeah. I just, he was I would have thought they, were though, they had to rename that somehow at some point, wouldn't they? You know? <laughs> <laughs> one, of the reasons, one of the reasons that they taxed them at a much more delicate rate is because they always were afraid that that region would try to cry out to Britain to rejoin them if they taxed them more heavily. But one of the trends of the French Revolution and their Enlightenment you know, government ideals was they were going to universalize everything, and they were going to enforce homogeneity on everything. But it was a challenge because they were trying to overcome these different languages, these different traditions, these different tax rates, and in this, you know, this book I'm reading, he talked about how the leaders of the French Revolution who were trying to use America as an example of what they wanted to do, the ones who were critical of them said, it's harder for us because, one, we don't have as much in common as a country as the people in America do on a lot of our traditions. And number two, America was starting from scratch and that they didn't have the ability that they needed to figure out what to do with the land. They didn't have to undo they started however, many, however many hundreds yeah. years of, uh, exactly. of entrenched uh, history that they had. Exactly. And, and, and France couldn't start from scratch. They had, had they chopped all their heads off. That's, they dealt with a problem decisively. I just thought that was something interesting to put into context. Yes, it is. The French, yeah. And, you know, maybe they were right because the French Revolution didn't end well. And, you know, they went right back into dictatorship again. Correct, yeah. And then how many republics does France have? So, we, yeah. so maybe as much as we like to deride John Jay and feeling on his, you know, feeling that America was homogeneous and that, you know, that plus rivers plus hams equals successful country, the French seem to, maybe not the ham part, but the French seem <laughs> to uh, not disagree. They, Correct, you know, yeah. The people at that time seem to say, yeah, there's something to that. Mm-hmm. So I think we have, just like Hamilton has, really put in enough uh, side discussion and filler on what is really a very short paper. Well, I think, you know, we wanted to convey the spirit of this paper to the listeners by by pumping a lot of filler into this. We needed just a bit more to make it worth talking about. And, uh, so there you go. If... If this Some of our conversations, you might say, would be the Jar Jar Binks of, of, of our episode one. <laughs> I, I think that we have... Found, I, think we have uh, I was hoping to go the entire episode without a Jar Jar reference. No. no. That really... My be, hopes are now dashed. <laughs> we have made, certainly, this episode the soybean burger of Phyllis. Uh, yeah. So, Sorry. I think we, we now. quit while we're ahead. Uh, and, I think that would have been about 20 minutes ago, so... <laughs> <laughs> we'll just quit. I <laughs> Thanks, thanks for letting me be a part of it. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Not we'll see everyone in episode 15, 14, 14. See everybody in episode yes. 14. Thank you. <laughs>